Hello, Bird Tales. This is Mummy Work Okay, thanks. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. It has been a little while. Sorry if you've been hanging out for the next episode, but it is finally here. Welcome back. I am Jordan, and I'm your host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am a mum of two beautiful boys, Jai and Ali. They are just turned three and, gosh, 15, 16 months. Not sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I live here in the beautiful Papamoa in the Bay of Plenty, and I am just, yeah, doing all things birth. This podcast, I've got Your Birth Project, which is my online hypnobirthing course online store, and more recently launched the Your Birth Project Journal, which is a beautiful tool for birth preparation, pregnancy reflection, postpartum planning, and I just know it's going to become such a beautiful keepsake for years and years and years to come. So if you want to check that out, I'll make sure I link it in the show notes. What have I been up to? Gosh, I just feel like December's um, flown by and I've got nothing done, so hence why this podcast is a little bit um, delayed. (laughs) And yeah, so I finally got a couple recorded this week, which is really nice and hopefully can have them out to you each week over the holiday period. I usually do a recommendation at the start of these episodes. Honestly, I feel like I've just been on survival mode, like struggle street (laughs) throughout December. Um, But one of my recommendations uh, are a few things that I've been watching if I have like 20 minutes of open eyes before I fall asleep in bed. Um, So I've been watching Yellowstone on Neon. Uh, I am up to date with that. Absolutely loved it. Really struggled through the first few episodes, like whenever we started watching it last year maybe um but then got hooked and now I just wait for each episode to come out um so that's my first one I've been watching cringy um Australian Love Island which I got addicted to I'm not going to give you any spoilers just in case you're watching it too but um yeah loved that what else oh I watched um the documentary about Ficardi the um White Island eruption documentary um yeah so Fakati is the island that erupted and there were people on it and that documentary was pretty heart-wrenching but also a really good watch like really really interesting so those are the things I've been watching lately a bit of a mixed bag um if you are looking for something new to watch then yeah that's what we've been hooked on lately this week I am speaking with beautiful Julia and she is a mum to one, little Maisie, and she talks us through her pregnancy journey. She suffered from an early pregnancy loss initially, then fell pregnant with Maisie and talks us through what that experience was like. We work through her birth story and then into her postpartum period where she was in lockdown and unfortunately on the Northland side of the Auckland border and the rest of her sort of support network was on the Auckland side of the border. So quite interesting to hear her speak through that but I hope you love the episode um I know that Julia has a lot to share with us and lots of really relatable things in there too so I'd love to hear your feedback feel free to send me an email jordan at yourbirthproject.com or you can just send me a message on kiwibirthtales um, on Instagram if you want to hit me up there too Okay, we will jump into the episode. I hope you love it. Make sure you connect with me um, afterwards. Enjoy. Hey, Julia, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Um, I've been a bit of a a creep following you for a while (laughs) and desperate to make a guest appearance. So I'm really, really glad I get to do this. Oh, I'm very pleased to have you here today. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Sure. So um, I'm based up in Mungafai, which is kind of about an hour northeast of Auckland. Um, So I live there with myself and my husband um, and our little girl, Maisie, who is just about one and a half. um, (laughs) And we've also got a menagerie of animals uh, because we're on a bit of a a lifestyle block so we've got Barkley the dog and Pushka and Freddie, our two cats as well. Um, awesome. Yeah, and I'm a lawyer down in Walkworth. So um, yeah, spend a bit of time in Walkworth, which is kind of where I grew up as well. Yeah, very cool. Nice. And do you want to talk us through what the journey was like to pregnancy for you and your husband? Yeah, so um, Trev and I got married in 2018, and I think, like, 
with every wedding, there comes the pressure to have children <laughs> shortly afterwards. Um, but we waited a couple of years and um, then decided sort of mid-2020 to give it a go. Um, and we got pregnant relatively easily. Um, like first month of trying, we had... Um, I think it's like a blighted ovum or so I had like an early miscarriage um, probably around the six week mark Um, and then we sort of tried well we kind of thought I will try again but see how it goes tried that month and then I sort of got pregnant off my miscarriage period if you like Um, and that one stuck which was great Um, and I So I took a test like the day before my 30th birthday and kind of like the crazy thing was is that I had like really vastly different sort of symptoms during that kind of like two week, I'm going to say it's a mind fuck of two weeks where you're like, Mm. am I, aren't I, who knows, is this like a period symptom, is this like a pregnancy symptom? Um, Yes, I had these like vastly different symptoms both times around. So in the second time around, I kind of had no symptoms, so I was like, oh, you know, it hasn't happened, which is, you know, understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just took this test the day before my birthday and it was positive and I couldn't, we were sort of like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and the like funny thing was, was that the weekend, like the weekend afterwards, I'd planned like this massive 30th birthday party and had like <laughs> heaps of people coming over. And so I had to, I guess, be kind of sneaky about how I, um, yeah, did a bit of pregnancy concealment <laughs> um seeing as it was yeah early days yeah 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 and did you feel like any anxiety or anything like that the second pregnancy having um had a miscarriage the first time yeah 100 percent. like yeah. I would go to the toilet and expect to see like blood in my undies or you know I'm constantly like being like do I still feel like sick or are my boobs Mm. still sore or um and definitely like getting over that same like time Mm. second time round I was kind of like desperate to get over that like six weeks and be like okay yep I'm still pregnant like it's still there um so yeah and then I guess like once you have that kind of anxiety in the first trimester you're then like oh gosh is the baby okay like is everything is the baby healthy so I think it kind of there was definitely some more anxiety the second time and I think it kind of it really took me quite far into my pregnancy to feel like comfortable if you know what Mm. I mean yeah 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 fair enough I'm sure there are lots of people out there who can relate to those sorts of feelings um particularly yeah yeah, in that first first trimester and did you have many symptoms like what yeah what were your symptoms in this pregnancy yeah I like this I think the sore boobs were like the giveaway for me (laughs) um and I was kind of like I felt sick but I didn't throw up which I was really Mm. grateful for um but just that yeah constant like hungover feeling and it was um I just remember it being at like the end of the year in that first trimester and the end of the year is like typically a horrendously busy time at work for me Mm. and so I just remember feeling like an absolute piece of shit being like so busy and yeah so fatigued um yeah I'd like fall asleep on the couch at like 7 30 each night and um yeah so fairly standard symptoms yeah yeah awesome and had you decided to go with a midwife or what did that look like for you yeah um I had got a recommendation from a friend for a local midwife um, we're super lucky being sort of in the Walkworth area that we have the birthing centre here and the group oh, nice. of midwives that work out of that centre as well. Yeah. Um, so I got this midwife, Mel, and she was a wizard. Um, <laughs> she, used to, she used to be an ED nurse before she was a midwife. So for me, it was, yeah, really great to have that kind of like really – clinical mindset but she was also Mm. like hey you know whatever sort of birth you want like I'm cool with it like we'll do whatever you want um so I felt really really safe with her and I also felt like she 
could like control the situation or get serious when she needed to sort of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. awesome all the things you want <laughs> from yeah, a midwife yeah, definitely cool yeah awesome and did you do all of the testing that's offered in pregnancy and did you find out the sex of your baby uh yeah so we did the 12 week scan which was fine and then we did the 20 week scan and we also found out the gender so we found out we're having a little girl (laughs) um and yeah did the horrible um gd test (laughs) yeah (laughs) i didn't have to do the second one thank goodness but um yeah that's it's such a long wait having to sit there um, (laughs) in the lab as well um and then i had a growth scan uh and then i actually had a couple like towards the end i had a couple of instances where i thought i had reduced fetal movement so i ended up getting uh an extra scan sort of like when i was in the 30s um yeah. which yeah you can't really make out anything at that point because the baby's so huge <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and did you were there any concerns around the reduced movement no it was always like I would feel like I had reduced movement and then I'd go up to the birthing center and they'd put me on the like um, CTG machine. And yeah. of course, like it would be like everything's normal straight away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think that happened twice. So I yeah. kind of got the, you had to do this twice, go get a scan sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Cool. And what about the rest of your pregnancy? How were you feeling? And did you do any antenatal classes or any birth education? What did that look like for you? Yeah, I, um, the rest of my pregnancy was great. Like, you know, everyone says second trimester, you kind of feel a bit like yourself again and you get this like spurt of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was great. I, I really enjoyed that part of pregnancy. I loved my pregnant body and my belly and, it was probably the first time in a long time that I would have worn like tight fitting like dresses <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was great. I did uh, an antenatal class locally through the birthing center. Um, and it was really interesting. Like, so I guess um, rolling back a bit, I, I got put onto Kiwi Birth Tales by a friend who was sort of three months further along than me. And so my my drive into work every day is about a 40-minute each way. And so I just used to put Kiwi Birth Tales on and Mm -hmm. I'd usually get through like an episode each way sort of thing. Um, So by the time I sort of got through to um, antenatal, I had listened to heaps of the birth tales Mm -hmm. um, and had like a really, I guess, good overall Um, view or picture about all the different types of births and how things can start one way and end up in a you know going off on a tangent into different ways Mm. and so I felt like I guess I had some um, some experience knowledge going into antenatal but I didn't have the like practical you know these are the different stages of labor and um, my tutor that I had she was quite um one-sided in her view on birthing Um, and I guess like I'm kind of more on the clinical side of things in terms of like my preferences and she was very much trying to I guess be like you know hospitals are bad hospitals will slow your labor down like intervention is a bad thing Um, and it was like for me, I was like, I can take it with a grain of salt. Like I've done my own birth education elsewhere and I can, you know, decide what information I want to take from that. But there were like women in my group that were like, you know, young mothers or mums doing it on their own. And that was potentially the only birth education that they would receive. Mm -hmm. And so I I was kind of a bit like horrified to think that, some women are going to go into birth thinking that it's going to be this certain way and this is the only way. And if it goes any way other than that, then it's bad. Mm. Um, so needless to say, I'm not usually an honest feedback kind of gal. But <laughs> <laughs> when she sent through that um, feedback request at the end, I was yeah pretty um, honest with what my thoughts were um, yeah. on how she yeah presented the class to us. Um, yeah. But I got some awesome friends out of it that, um, yeah, I basically still message them every day. Oh, cool. um, yeah, so that was 
really, really crucial to um, my support network postpartum, which I will talk about later as well. <laughs> yeah, cool. I think it's such a, like, yeah, I'm obviously, you're talking to the converted here because I um, I agree about the way that, you know, birth education comes across and um, I hear these stories all the time through the podcast about antenatal classes being really one-sided or, um not giving you know all of the information and sort of full picture and it is such a shame um and why I'm so passionate about this whole birth education space because couldn't agree more with the comment you make about that might be someone's one touch point for birth education um and like the way that that sort of plays into the knowledge that they have about birth and then potentially their birth goes differently to what they've learned in antenatal and contributes to birth trauma it's just such a cycle so very yes. passionate about, about what you yeah absolutely yeah, yeah I I 100% um, agree that there would be women that would have that as their only birth education get told yeah. that it needs to be a certain way and then things don't go that way for whatever reason and they're left with this massive birth trauma because they didn't have the opportunity to be prepared for a different um I guess path yeah 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 exactly and so you did your antenatal classes and did that give you like a different I know you said you were sort of feeling quite clinical about birth but did it give you a perspective on how you wanted your birth to go or like your birth preferences what did that look like um I was very much a like go with the flow sort of thing like I I guess a massive deciding factor for me was actually my location where I live um so I live like where I am I guess to like healthcare is um I can drive an hour north and go up to Whangarei Hospital but um that's a different DHB than what I'm enrolled under. Mm-hmm. And then if I go south, then it's about a 40-minute drive into Walkworth, which is the birthing centre, and then to get down to North Shore Hospital, which would be the uh, closest hospital under Waitamata um, DHB, would be another 45-minute drive on top of that. Um, so originally, I guess, I thought, I was like, you know, I'm going to have a hospital birth. Um, that's, you know, the safest place for me to be. That's where I want to go. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, the thought of like sitting in a car for an hour and a half in active labour <laughs> um, <laughs> just terrified me. And anyone, I guess, that knows the area that I live in relatively well will know there's this um, stretch of road called the Dome Valley. And it's like historically like, you know, a really high crash zone. And they've been doing road works um, through the Dome Valley They've literally still doing them now and they were doing them before Maisie was born. Like that's how long it's been going on. (laughs) And there were um, nights where I was like pretty close to full term where they were closing the road, State Highway Mm -hmm. 1, in the evenings and doing an alternative route. And I literally had like – like these visions of me like trying to like get down to the birth center or get down to the hospital and the road being closed there were like newspaper articles in our local paper about women having to give birth on the side of the road Um, (laughs) and so I was like yeah one thing for me was like oh gosh like am I actually going to be able to get south and how long is it going to take me so I kind of came up with this plan with my midwife that um we'd go to the birth centre first in Walkworth, which was like 40-minute drive, and then we'd kind of like assess things and Mm. um, see how things are and go from there and kind of like make the call at the time. And um, if things were going well, then we'd stay there. And if um, I felt like I needed more support or pain relief, then we'd go down to North Shore. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I I felt quite comfortable um, with that as well. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And did you do anything to try and bring on your labor? Were you doing anything in preparation for birth? Um, you know, there's obviously so many things that you can read online yeah. about raspberry leaf tea and yeah. um, um, breastfeeding, all that stuff. So were you doing any of that? Yeah, I um, was a hard pass on the perineal massage. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'm, I think I'm good on that one. Um, but I did not really to bring on labour, but I did do some um, antenatal expressing just to try and get a bit of a colostrum store beforehand. Yeah. Um, 
but I didn't make it to my due date. So I kind of didn't get to that point where I was trying to bring on labor and yeah. do whatever I could do. Um, yeah. So that was probably it really. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And you obviously just mentioned that you didn't make it to your due date. So do you want to talk us through um, your labor starting? Was it spontaneous? And yeah, what did your labor and birth look like? Yeah. So um, I went into labor on a Friday night, which was crucial because the road was open that night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think I was about 39 weeks and three days. Um, So I'd had about a week and a half off work. Um, and I was probably in denial for a lot of it. Um, I um, didn't lose like my mucus plug in one go. I think I kind of lost it gradually over a number of weeks. Um, yeah. So I, and I was kind of told by my midwife that the baby has sort of like descended into my pelvis and was quite low for quite a number of weeks. And, you know, you kind of get to that point towards the end where, you know, the baby just gets a little bit further down and you feel like you're just going to piss yourself constantly. Mm. Um, And so I had what now I know is a bloody show, um, but I thought, oh, maybe this is my mucus plug coming out. (laughs) Um, And so I kind of like thought nothing of it. Um, And then I kind of just had some like mild cramps and this was at about, 5 5:30 p.m. on Friday night. Um, texted my two friends who had like three month old newborns, mm-hmm. and was like, "Oh, I think I'm having some Braxton Hicks." Like, and I hadn't had those properly either. Um, yeah. So I'm just gonna sleep them off. Like, I'm gonna go to bed, sleep them off, and everything will be fine. Um, and my husband had obviously finished work for the week, um, and so we kind of like went to bed, and I sort of lay in bed for a while. And then I got up at about 10.30 p.m. because I was like, oh, look, these just aren't kind of settling down. I don't think I'm going to be able to fall asleep. Um, So I just kind of went and hung out in our lounge. um, And I had like a Swiss ball and I put on, I remember putting on Downton Abbey and I literally could not tell you a single thing that happened in whatever (laughs) episodes I watched. (laughs) and yeah, it just kind of progressed from there. Um, I think I had a bath and um, I was kind of, yeah, like I said, in denial. And mm. at about like 2am, my husband was like, hey, I think you're in labor. I think we should call the <laughs> midwife. And I was like, no, 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 it's so late. Like, I don't want to like wake her up or like annoy her. Like, it's nothing. And he's like, you can't really speak through these transactions, uh, contractions, Julia. Um, I think we should probably give her a call. Um, So we gave her a call and she, you know, I guess like as most most midwives do, um, they just kind of listen to you talking to them, like listen to you through a contraction and kind of make an assessment of, you know, where things are at. Um, And so she said, call me back in an hour at three and we'll assess further and then, you know, see what we're going to do. Just kind of try and, you know, relax, um, you know, work through the contractions. Um, I had a contraction timer Um, at that point. I think they were sort of coming, you know, sort of, I think I had about every three minutes or so and they were lasting for sort of a minute plus long. Um, So we called her back at three um I had like I'm like super type a so I had like (laughs) lists of like um things to do things to pack that I haven't already packed and then I had like a list of like things to do before we leave the house like putting out the rubbish and like feeding the animals and watering the plants (laughs) like actually ridiculous stuff now that I think about it (laughs) and so I kind of like gave my husband the lists and I was like you go and do these things um and yeah, she was just like, hey, like, go have a shower. Um, it sounds like, you know, things are happening and meet me at the birth center for 4am. Um, so that was great. Had a shower. Um, was like, it's crazy, like how much hot water just like helps relieve yeah. those contractions. Yeah. Um, so found that great. Um, I had a, a TENS machine that I'd borrowed off a friend. Forgot to use it. Didn't use it the entire yeah. time. um and then we yeah bundled bundled ourselves into the car at like 3 30 ish um and I remember like on my drive to Walkworth we passed like a local rugby club which is probably about 
mm, 10 minutes from our house. And I just remember driving past the rugby club and I was like, oh God, I've already had three contractions in the car. Like this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I got to the birth center and um, the drive wasn't as like, I guess it wasn't as awful as I'd like made it up to be in my mind. Like I actually yeah. feel like I coped reasonably well. Um, and yeah, so when I was at the birth center, my midwife did an internal exam and I was at five centimeters, which was great. Um, I could totally understand, like you hear, you know, through people's stories and stuff, people that feel like, you know, things are really happening and they get to that point of being checked and they're like two or three centimeters. And mm. I could imagine just, yeah, how disheartening that would be when you feel like you're just working so hard through yeah. this pain. Yeah. Um, so I was, yeah, so, so grateful that I was kind of, I guess, in that active labor sort of um, phase as well. Um, and yeah, so from there, I kind of just got assigned to like one of the birthing rooms and just kind of really moved my way around the room with all the different things. Like there was um, the shower, which like I said before, I found really good. Yeah. Um, there was like, I kind of did the like kneeling over the bed um, on my knees, which also was helpful. Um, my midwife was like a huge fan of spinning babies. And so mm -hmm. um, we kind of tried to do some of that sort of stuff, like the sideline releases and, um yeah. and then I think she let me into the pool um probably when I was about close to transition so I had like my transition in the pool um and like a water birth had like never been on my radar or anything I was <laughs> kind of like oh if there's a pool in there they're like fine if there isn't there isn't whatever I don't oh. care um and so I was in the pool for a while um and I guess one thing that I found really helpful is like usually I wear glasses or contact lenses and I was kind of like in and out of water and stuff. So I wasn't really like wearing glasses and I was like, I'm not putting my contact lenses in for this sort of thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have like good vision the entire time I was in labor. And I honestly found that as one of the most helpful things mm. um, because I guess I didn't have like a particular focus point and yeah. I kind of had this ability to like go into my own head a little bit yeah. um, where there wasn't all these sort of outside factors that I could like mm. really see well. Um, so if there's any like blind gals out there going into labor, <laughs> don't wear your glasses. Love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. So um I had uh, a bit of gas at this point just to get through that like active phase. Um, yeah. But I was just like terrible at getting the breathing right. Like it's um, quite difficult, I guess, to like breathe with the right time so that it kind mm. of peaks during your like peak of your contraction. So yeah. I was just breathing it in like borderline hyperventilating going, it's not working. It's not oh, working. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, or I'd get that kind of like, you know, dizzy feeling when mm. like the contraction would be like tapering off. So it is hard um, timing the gas, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know if I explained it to you, but I didn't have in my first birth, I didn't have a midwife who um, in the hospital explained to me how to use the gas. So I was the same. I was just huffing on it and it was yeah, like yeah. working, Same but time. at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I think my midwife tried to explain to me, but I guess that's kind of um, something that I wish I had known beforehand, like how to mm. effectively use pain relief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So from there, yes, yeah, so I had my transition in the birth pool. Um, my waters hadn't broken at this point in time either. Um, and it just like the pressure felt immense from that. Mm. Um, so sh my midwife, like we got out of the pool, I was kind of like done with that. Um, yeah. And she broke my waters for me. Um, and uh, and I think at that point in time, I was about nine centimeters or something. So I was like almost ready to go. Um, and so we got to about eight, eight thirty in the morning, um, ready to push. And I spent two hours pushing without mm. pushing the baby out um 
And during this point in time, I really discovered a new part of me that I never want to see again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I didn't, like, one thing in our antenatal class was that our tutor was like, you know, you're going to, like, moo like a cow and make all these noises. And I was like, Mm-mm, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and during that two hours, I swear someone could have thought that the room was being exercised of demons because, <laughs> like, I made every noise under the sun. Like, mm. I'm pretty sure I scared my husband with the noises I was making. <laughs> yeah. I saw the fear in his eyes. Um, but, yeah, just like, I, yeah, it's just that awful feeling where, like, you just can't get comfortable. Mm. Um, and, yeah, just real disheartening when you feel like you're just pushing for so long yeah. um, and you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. And what was um, your midwife sort of, was she, like, talking you through that at any stage? Like, what was her sort of guidance to you while you were trying to push? Yeah, I guess um, she would do – like, she was doing quite a few internal exams to kind of feel like for some part of it I had, like, a bit of a lip of my cervix that didn't kind of, like, pull back over baby's head completely. Mm. Um, so she was helping, like, guide that back for some of it. Um, and she, yeah, was just trying to – coach me to like I could obviously like feel the contractions and so coaching me to push on those like peak of those contractions um and she was basically like hey look you know once baby baby was happy the whole time like um Mm. I was getting checked with um the Doppler and then I think I went on the CTG towards the end um and she was like look once we kind of get to that two hour mark our our time's kind of up at the center and we're going to have to do a transfer um and yeah so and I was like cool that's fine with me um so I at that point in time I guess I kind of um moved around um a little bit more Mm. and got put on I went on to like one of those birth beds with like the stirrups and everything and I just remember like I think we hit the like cutoff point at that point in time and the one of the nurses like on call at well I guess um on duty at the birth center like came into the birthing room I think to maybe tell us that the ambulance had arrived and I was like full like I think I maybe had like a bra on and like nothing else like legs in the stirrups like full frontal view (laughs) like screaming well like probably not yeah probably screaming but like (laughs) visibly distressed and I just thought like oh god I hope she's not here when I make it back here (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) and yeah so I ended up doing an ambo transfer down to North Shore um my midwife came with me in the ambulance because she was thought that I might actually give birth on the way down. Um, so she piled in, my husband piled in. Um, and I also thought that like there must be some back exit in the birthing center where you like get transferred. And so <laughs> you just, you know, get wheeled out the back exit straight into the ambulance. But um, no, you go out the front or side exit where everyone is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, both my mum and my mother-in-law were kind of like down in the like visitors lounge I guess you could say um and saw me kind of like in a bit of a state on the gurney being wheeled off um yeah so we yeah went down to North Shore I had the gas in the um ambulance with me and my midwife was kind of like don't push while we're in the ambulance like we don't want to have the baby in the ambulance (laughs) and um it's really hard not to push when your body's trying to push a baby Mm. out (laughs) yeah um yeah so she um yeah I and I remember like just begging her for a c-section when I was in Mm. the ambulance I was like yeah I was like I was like Mal like call the hospital like tell them that we're coming down for a c-section like I'm done I want it out of me like just get you know get it out and she was like oh you know we'll we'll wait till we get down there and see how we go sort of thing um and so it was like a Saturday morning um on the Auckland motorway oh no so there was traffic (laughs) yeah um and yeah we got part sort of part way 
um, down in the ambulance ride and she was said to the paramedics like you need to put your lights and sirens on sort of thing like we've got to move um, so yeah we made it made it down to North Shore and when I got there there's obviously the attending doctor and he was like okay we're going to prep for a Vontos delivery and an episiotomy and I think like two I guess things I was a little bit uneducated about was um, I didn't know if they gave you a local anesthetic before an episiotomy and so I was like shit like are they just gonna Mm. do it like I don't I haven't had an epi or anything Um, and I kind of just didn't I I felt like a little bit uneasy about the whole like Vontus contraption and how that works and so Mm. I kind of heard those two words and I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm, like, no, this is not happening. Um, yeah. And my midwife was like awesome at this point in time. She just kind of took control of the whole situation. And she was like, can everyone please leave? Like, just give me 15 minutes. Um, and like the whole room just kind of dissipated. Like the doctor went, the nurses went, and it was just me and her and my husband. Um, and she, yeah, coached me through it, pushing and yeah baby was born within 15 minutes oh wow you just needed a little hospital trip <laughs> I just needed a little ride to jiggle in, into the right position <laughs> yeah 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 amazing and was she fine when she was born they put her up on your chest yeah. or yeah what happened yeah then? yeah yeah so um oh I should add add as well that at this point because I had pushed for so long and for, and so hard I had um, blown all the blood vessels in my eyes so my eyes were like oh red. I did that too <laughs> I did that I didn't know that I was looked, a thing yeah no uh, apparently like don't push with your face don't push with your eyes I don't know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah so I looked like a complete vampire <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so once she was born um, they just popped her straight on my chest um, I remember thinking like how purple they are when they come out um Mm. I just for some reason I thought I'd have this like pink baby immediately but um they take a while to pink up I guess and um yeah so we had um good skin to skin we did delayed um cord clamping um and then I had the injection to um deliver my placenta uh, yeah. Just because I had, I guess, been in that like active labor phase for so long, they kind of um, recommended that I deliver it sooner than later, and that came out yeah. no worries. Um, yeah, and then she was there. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you said in your um, email, was her hand by her face? Yes. So that was why she got stuck, and I think. Okay. What my midwife thinks is that she actually grew with her hand by her face the whole time. Mm. And I don't know whether it was just like um, coincidence, but like all of my scans, her hands are up by her face. Um, So whether she favored that position, I don't know. But um, yeah, so that little hand did a little bit of damage on its way out. Um, And I had, uh, I think I had like a second degree tear, so not too bad. Um, And most of it internal, which was um, kind of good from the healing side of things. Mm. Um, So I, yeah, once when we were having that skin to skin, the doctor came back in um, and uh, did stitching. And because my midwife was pretty knackered at this point in time. um, So she was like, I'm going to leave it to the like extra professionals if you don't mind. Um, and I still remember that my doctor's name was Duncan. <laughs> um, so Duncan stitched me up. Um, my husband was like very much down the business end the whole time. Um, yeah. And so he was like, the doctor was like pointing out like where he was putting the stitches. And my husband was like, oh, interesting, like having a good look. And I was like, come on, mate, like get out of there. Yeah, yeah. And so – when he was stitching you up, did you have um, like any gas or did they just use a local? Yeah, I had local and then I had gas for when the local was being administered. And yeah, that was pretty good. Um, it yeah. was, yeah, not as um, terrifying as I thought it would be. That was, yeah, one thing that I kind of had a bit of a worry about on my mind as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can understand that. And so what happened from there? Did you stay at the hospital or did you go back to the birth centre or did you go home? What did that look like? 
Um, so we were at the birth center for a couple of hours and I should also add in at this point in time that my midwife had another mother go into labor. Um, (laughs) and so she kind of like delivered Maisie and then like did all the APGAR testing and stuff and then, um, went straight to her other mother. And so she kind of disappeared for a while and, um, we were kind of just like, there with the baby <laughs> um and at this point in time my mother and mother-in-law had also sort of come into the room with us um yeah. and then she came back and we tried to do um a bit of feeding but it wasn't kind of working really well like I wasn't really able to get Maisie to latch yeah. um so that was when our like colostrum that I had expressed was like completely invaluable like um yeah. And it was also quite cute, like my um, mother-in-law got to give Maisie her first feed because, oh, um, okay. yeah, we had yeah. this colostrum. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think we were at the hospital for maybe three or so hours. Um, and then they kind of just were like, cool, you're discharged, ready to go back up to the birth centre. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's funny, like, I just remember being there being like, how do how do we put her in the capsule like we had to call call like the nurse call button to be like can someone put the baby in the car seat for us (laughs) Uh, like yeah we just felt pretty clueless um and yeah so we went back up to the birth center in Walkworth um and unfortunately the nurse that had seen me on the way down was there (laughs) on the front desk and she was like oh I didn't think you'd be back so soon I was like oh Hmm. great here I am am. yeah Um, I'm a bit more calm now Um, yeah so we were at the birth center for about three nights and it was really awesome just being in Walkworth which was like an area that we knew and so it felt kind of like a bit of a second home for us and all of our family and friends were close by and it was easy to visit and um yeah like hats off to all the staff that work there because they are just absolute angels um yeah yeah um yeah so Maisie was pretty good um we yeah still had a bit of trouble feeding so I ended up with nipple shields um and the first set I got given were too small and they like um pinched my nipples and so by like I think it was like by day two or day three I had like grazes on both of my nipples yeah um and but I was really good at expressing myself, so I wasn't milked by the nurses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so it was kind of good, like I would try and sort of feed Maisie with the shield and then I would express and kind of give her a bit of a top up with a syringe. And so I didn't really have that like awful cluster feeding second night. And mm-hmm. I don't know whether it was because I just managed to like keep her full enough or, um, yeah, so I was I was quite grateful for that. Um, and then, yeah, I think by, like, day two, my milk had come in and, yeah. shit, I was not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Like, that is definitely an area where we could use a bit more education mm-hmm. in the public sector. Um, yeah. Because, like, I just didn't realise how like not only is it your milk coming in but it's like inflammation of all your breast tissue and Mm. um yeah I just had these like porn star boobs and (laughs) I have this photo of like (laughs) me feeding Maisie and my boob is like bigger than her head (laughs) so massive um and yeah so I found that I like I had quite a bit of like red streakiness and Mm. yeah like that real like rock hard feeling and so um you kind of also get like instilled in you that like you know watch out for mastitis and so Mm. I was kind of a bit on high alert for um all of that too yeah Mm. yeah yeah and how did you go like I think you said you stayed there for a couple of nights so how did you go overnight and did your husband stay there with you and yeah what support did you get from um from the team while you were there that you would sort of recommend to others yeah we so my husband stayed all three nights that we were there and like Maisie was a really great newborn baby like she was a good little sleeper in the start like during the night we had to wake her up to feed her um 
I like I'm paying for it now with the toddler phase. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we like there were yeah definitely a couple times I think we're like settling her back to sleep like the nurses would take her for us which was like just invaluable um Mm. but yeah and I I guess one thing I also didn't expect was like that post that you know first postpartum um yeah I'd close my eyes and I'd just like relive the birth over and over again like I was just on such like high alert adrenaline Mm. Yeah. Um, so I really, really struggled to actually like wind down and sleep. Yeah. So that whole like sleep when the baby sleeps, you know, do washing when the mm. baby does washing, do dishes when the baby <laughs> does dishes, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, really struggled to um, kind of, yeah, get a bit of sleep under my wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there were um, other people in the center at the same time of us, as us that had probably less settled babies and I really felt for them and um it was yeah really great knowing that the nurses there would be able to help you know help them and help um settle their babies for them because yeah I know that they probably felt like completely wiped like I did too yeah um and also crazy how like like muscular sore your body is for days afterwards Which, like, makes sense, you know, you've, like, you've just run a marathon. Um, (laughs) But I guess I didn't kind of, like, you know, anticipate that I'd have, like, that level of, like, just general body soreness as well as the whole, like, you know, recovery, breastfeeding, Mm. like, the whole shebang. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And so when you left the birth centre, how were you feeling and what was it like taking Maisie home? Um, it was it was great. Um, we, yeah, we were feeling kind of like, you know, the birth centre is great at like getting you in that kind of like rhythm of, you know, like feeding, changing, sleeping. Mm. Um, so we kind of felt like we had some sort of idea of what we were supposed to do when we got home or you know just follow through with the same thing um and I should have uh added in earlier as well that we throughout this process were building a house um and so we had previously been living in a shed that we had built on the property and then our last thing to get finished in our house was our kitchen sink and mm-hmm. that was done on the Wednesday and Maisie was born on the Saturday. Oh, um, wow. So we had this beautiful new home and so I was really excited to, and this was in July so I was really excited to kind of like go home nest in my new home with my little baby and um, yeah just enjoy that um, newborn bubble. Yeah yeah. Awesome. And how are you feeling like, you know, you're obviously lots of hormones and um, you've got a new baby and your sleep is a few and far between at that stage. So how are you (laughs) feeling mentally and did you notice any like major hormonal shifts or mood sort of swings in those first few weeks? Um, I don't think that I had that whole like, you know, day three baby blues, like Mm. constantly crying sort of thing that some people talk about. But, um, you know, what's postpartum without a few mental breakdowns here and there, right? (laughs) Um, So I, like, distinctly remember I'd, like, have a couple of, like, you know, times where things just wouldn't go my way. And I'd go and, like, sit in the wardrobe and cry or um, my husband would make, like, a you know offhand comment with like you know nothing behind it and I just take it so to heart (laughs) um like the resentment is real um yeah so I think things were as good as they could be um and I think as I got deeper into that fourth trimester um I I really yeah I think my mindset was you know it's it's such a huge adaptation which mm. no one prepares you for because you don't know unless you know yeah um and yeah the outcome of that was um that yeah you kind of just have to kind of, uh work through and identify these new like feelings and mm. um you know the whole like mum guilt and constantly like second guessing every decision that you're making but you're always making the right decision in the end yeah, um, yeah. or, you know, what's 
it's that whole like what's the right answer what's the right thing to do and it's like well there isn't a right answer there isn't mm. the right thing to do it's like you know depends on you yeah. and your baby yeah 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 for sure and did you um use the nipple shields that you'd started feeding with for your whole breastfeeding journey or what did that look like um I used nipple shields for the first eight weeks and they're just like they're a double-edged sword like they're they're Mm. great because it allowed me to feed but they're just the bane of my life as well like (laughs) yeah and in hindsight I had two and I don't know why I just got more um but you know if they were both like dirty and needed to be cleaned and like the baby's screaming wanting to be fed and you're just like oh this is so inconvenient like why do I have Mm -hmm. these stupid shields or you know, like I feel like breastfeeding in public is like a bit of a daunting experience in itself. But mm. it's like when you're trying to like whip your boob out in public and then also put on a nipple shield yes. and then try and let your yeah. baby, it was just yeah. like an added stressor. Um, yeah. And so I when so we went into lockdown while I was still on the shields and that was like my lockdown goal I was like I'm going to get off these shields before we get out of <laughs> lockdown like I'm not feeding this baby off the shield anymore. So um, yeah, it was just really like a lot of Googling, um, a lot of like, um, you know, trying and failing. And yeah, eventually we got off um, the shields and then, um, yeah, my nipples had to readjust to a non-shield feeding baby again. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just had, I feel like probably for the first potentially 12 weeks, like there was nothing easy about breastfeeding for me and it was not enjoyable for me and I felt I just kept thinking like when will I feed normally like Mm. when will this become like a bonding experience for me and my baby and when will it feel like you know less like the absolute saga that it is Mm. Um, and I think that it did contribute to like I I think there's this whole thing as well about like bonding with your baby once you're born and I had a friend who was sort of a couple of months further along than me and she said oh you know sometimes I just look at my baby and cry because like I just love them so much and I can't believe it and I'm like oh I don't feel like that like what's (laughs) wrong with me (laughs) I'm like oh who are you (laughs) um and the whole breastfeeding thing was probably one side of that as well um and it kind of made me feel like yeah you just have to sometimes push for it through it or if it's not for you then that's okay it's not for you and you know a happy mum is the most important thing and a fed baby is the most important thing and Yeah. yeah if I was in the position that I was in then with the knowledge that I have now, I might not have persevered um, because yeah. it probably took more of a toll on me than I really expected it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can definitely relate to those um, mm. those feelings too, for sure. And did you, yeah, you sort of mentioned earlier in the episode that you um, found a really good group of friends through your antenatal class. So how did the, um, yeah, the fourth trimester and sort of having a newborn look for you in terms of support and, um, yeah, what was that like? Yeah, so my um, my mum lives down in Walkworth, which, like I said, is about 40-minute drive from my house. And yes. so... Um, And I've got nieces and nephews, but not local to us. So this was kind of like mum's first local grandchild, I guess, that um, you could say. And she would be, you know, there to support me um, during that sort of postpartum period. And Mm -hmm. also conveniently, she's a teacher and Maisie was born on the first day of the school holidays. So she had two (laughs) weeks off, (laughs) Um, which was all great until it wasn't because when Maisie was about five or six weeks, we went into lockdown um, Mm. and our road is the Auckland Northland border so Uh, at the end of my road there was a police cordon and it meant that I couldn't go south of my road and my whole support network was down there um so that was yeah it was really hard and and like I felt like I just you know you just have to get through it at the time and I think in hindsight when I kind of got to like look back and think about it I was like shit like I did that by myself like Mm. that was that was tough yeah Um, yeah 
but I had these three girls up um, on my side of the the border Mm -hmm. and we just, yeah, hung out all the time. Um, We all, except for one of us, all of our families were on the other side of the border. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we'd just, like, go to each other's houses. We would, you know, do the 3 a.m. messaging, the, Mm -hmm. um, does your baby's poo look like this message? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, so we just, yeah, became close, hard and fast. Um, And, yeah, they were, yeah, just, um, yeah, invaluable. Mm, Yeah, for sure. And how did you find um, your relationship and, like, the just the the parenting relationship between you and your husband and sort of sharing the load in terms of looking after Maisie and everything else that goes on, um, you know, that you're trying to juggle as parents, how has that looked for you guys? Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's a journey, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but Trev's always been, yeah, super hands on. Um, He, yeah, is always, well, at the start, definitely always keen to change a nappy or wash a nipple <laughs> shield. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I feel like everyone um, has that. I, I think for the guys out there, and hopefully I'm not um, stereotyping anything, but that just that whole mental load thing is just mm. like, they don't get it. <laughs> yeah, and. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was hard to feel like you had this burden of this mental load on you mm. all the time to make sure that your baby's needs are being met. And yeah. it's like, you know, the boys are always like, oh, you know, like, what can we do to help? We're here to help you sort of thing. But it's like, I don't want you to help me. I just want you to like, think of what to do. So mm. I don't have to do it. I don't want to have to tell you what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like, you know, every month or so I lose the plot and um, <laughs> that's that's okay. He just kind of knows that it's expected these days. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's always happy to listen to my feelings and yeah. hear me out. Sometimes I'm being completely unreasonable or just like how like the irrational anger is just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, you're not doing anything, but I'm just so angry that like (laughs) you get, like he, he used to sometimes wake me up in the night snoring and I'd be like, Oh my God, how can you wake me up? I'm already tired as it is like you horrible Mm -hmm. person. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that we, we, we're good as a couple. We just have a little less time to ourselves than we did previously. Mm. Um, but you know, there's a pretty equal division of parenting between us. Um, yeah. And, yeah, he's it, he's always been able to put Maisie to sleep and um, being able to kind of like, when I stop breastfeeding, being able to kind of be on the same level in terms of mm-hmm. meeting her needs. Um, yeah, really, really good. Yeah, 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 I can relate to um a lot of what you said there, including the like monthly mental breakdown. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I think like Joe and I have this conversation often around the mental load and like, it's actually a really hard thing to try and explain to someone, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And it feels like in addition to your mental load, having to explain it. (laughs) So we've had lots of those conversations about, um, being like the default parent or like carrying that Mm -hmm. mental load and Mm -hmm. just all of the things that you think about that contribute to the sort of way that you're feeling and and how that impacts you in a relationship as a couple when you're parenting as well yeah I can just I can relate to a lot of that and I think it is a really it can be a really hard thing to explain um but definitely contributes to a lot of those yeah feelings of like anger or resentment um particularly in a postpartum period and if you've got a snoring husband or partner um yeah I don't think there's anything more annoying <laughs> than yeah, yeah. Having, having your partner snore next to you while you're so fucking tired that you just want to go, <laughs> like shut your eyes and go to sleep and they're just snoring peacefully next to you like Joe moved yeah. into Jai's room um when we had Ali because Jai wouldn't like sleep without him was actually a blessing <laughs> for me because I couldn't yeah. hear him snoring <laughs> 
yeah yeah or like they'd snore and then the baby would like stir and you'd oh, be like oh yeah. my god if yeah. you wake up this baby you're literally dead <laughs> yeah I'm thinking about suffocating you and you're snoring <laughs> right now yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, 100% man. yeah 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 and how have you gone like recovery wise from your birth I know you said you had um about a second degree sort of internal tear but how did you um recover from your stitches and yeah how did you find that yeah my recovery was awesome um before I guess I was pregnant I did quite a lot of like um strength and weight training and I felt like that helped me massively in my labor and also in my recovery um Mm. and probably I think I was about five months postpartum because obviously I couldn't get down to Auckland beforehand um I went and saw a pelvic floor physio and kind of got the all clear from her um and she was like yeah doesn't even seem like you've had a baby so I was like okay great Mm. that's good to know um but yeah so I felt like aside from my nipples my recovery was (laughs) um yeah generally generally pretty good yeah yeah awesome Cool. And is there anything that you feel like we haven't covered or, yeah, anything that you want to add that we haven't already talked about? Oh, so the other thing I um, also, I guess, found quite different was um, I kind of, I had a friend that had a baby three months after me. So I was like fresh in, out of the fourth trimester. Mm. She had a baby in lockdown, which, you know, it was shit in itself. But I just, I I felt this immense, almost like jealousy that um, she, I I feel like, you know, in those first few weeks you have your baby, like everyone wants to know know you sort of thing. Mm. Um, And then everyone kind of forgets about you a little bit. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I just, I felt this like almost intense jealousy that she got to go through that phase now and like mm. that was over for me yeah. um and she got her you know her support network um yeah. in the same region as her um and yeah it, it was it was a feeling that I really um struggled to work through a bit um mm. and also like I feel like um, becoming becoming a mum just um, amplified all of my feelings. Um, yeah. I felt like I had to be um, everyone's therapist for mm. all the problems and I had to troubleshoot them for them or I had to do things to make other people's lives easier. Um, and I... Yeah, like this friend that had a baby, I got my mum to like cook her a meal and drop it around and I like ordered things online to be sent to her because I wasn't there to like be there with her, like with her mm. newborn and just being through it myself and I knew how like helpful all these things were. Um, mm. And it, yeah, it inspired me into my, um, I guess, next little um side thing I did to probably like I feel like I was like that girl on Mean Girls that like turns up at the school and she's like I just have a lot of feelings yeah yeah Um, but I yeah so I kind of like thought about how I was feeling about all of that and I was sitting in Maisie's room on a chair nap trapped in the dark standard um when they're like three months old yeah and I I wrote a poem and I think I had um before that I must have been following um Jess Ehrlich's and uh, yeah knew that she um wrote all these sort of like poems on motherhood and stuff and so I wrote this poem and I it was just like a really good way for me to I guess um give my feelings out mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I sent it to two of my friends and they're like hey this is this is good Julia mm. um and it's relatable and so I kind of just like, I don't know, um, put it in my notes on my phone and kind of just forgot about it. And then um, I had this friend who, you know, had been struggling to get pregnant and she, she got pregnant. And it kind of um, shifted our relationship and 
I and then I got this the inspiration inspiration I guess for my second poem which was mm-hmm. kind of that whole I guess it's I don't want to come off like that I'm getting the shittier end of the stick here because mm. I know that fertility is ju- like fertility struggles is just unconscionable like having to deal with that yourself yeah. um but it really gave me the opportunity to reflect on our friendship and I kind of wrote this poem to her about how it felt from my end yeah so kind of since then I kind of just keep as things pop into my mind I kind of write a little poem um yeah. about it and then I I think I put it on Instagram or something and I sent it to um my friend who I wrote the first one about when she was having a real hard day and she was like oh this is good can I share it or no I think Mm -hmm. she just shared it without saying anything I I, that's what I did I um I kind of made like a anonymous Instagram handle Mm. (laughs) and put this poem up posted it and then I sent it to my friend and she immediately shared it and I was like oh shit okay we're going public with this now (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah since then I've kind of um you know wrote wrote a poem at different stages of postpartum um some about my miscarriage um some just about like that whole, you know, fourth trimester and how mm. it just changes who you are as a person um, for the good and the bad, like how you just don't feel mm. like yourself anymore. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, kind of going on from there, like um, I guess that whole, this whole uh, pressure on us as mothers in functioning mm. society to do things a certain way, to look a certain way, to be like, have it all be put together Mm. um and that it's just like so unachievable (laughs) so unachievable (laughs) yeah 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 um so that's yeah kind of like a bit of a a side thing that I really enjoyed doing like my creative vice yeah I I'm kind of a bit few and far between with poems they don't come to me as fast as I'd like but Mm -hmm. um every so often I'll throw something up there and um, yeah, the feedback I get from my mates is pretty good. Yeah, awesome. That's very cool. I think it's a nice way to have like an outlet um, that, you know, feels like a way to be a little bit creative or just get your thoughts out of your head and, you know, onto a page or yeah, somewhere else um, and share them. And yeah, often is very relatable in that sort of period of postpartum. So it's really nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that just like, not feeling like you're doing it by yourself and um and also that like when you have all these you know thoughts or feelings that aren't what you get told you should feel like Mm. that that's normal and um yeah you just have to have no expectations Mm. yeah yeah for sure Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julia, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us today. I've really loved talking to you. And yeah, I know that there'll be um, so many people that get something from your story. So just super grateful that you're willing to share. Thanks for having me. Now I can, yeah, stop um, pounding you with emails. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's so good. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. And a reminder that this week's episode is brought to you by Your Birth Project. And the journal has just recently launched this month. I am so super proud of it. And I'd love for you to go and check it out. www.yourbirthproject.com All right, I will be talking to you next week. Have a beautiful Christmas.